It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. And good Monday morning, everyone. Fred Jackson sitting in for Sandy today. Pleasure always to do so. Sandy's on her way back from a weekend gathering known as CPAC, Conservative Political Action Conference, in Dallas. If you're listening to the program on Friday, she was there uh, doing interviews during the weekend. She'll have a lot to say about the conference, I know, when she gets back here in the chair tomorrow. But in the meantime, some interesting things happened at the conference wanted to tell you about. Uh, always one of the interesting things at the CPAC conference is the so-called straw poll. And, uh, of course, former President Trump uh, gave the highlighted speech yesterday afternoon as things wrapped up there. But uh, the straw poll, the results were announced, I believe, yesterday morning. And if you thought that there were others that were really gaining strength against the former president, now nobody has formally announced that they plan to run uh, for on the GOP ticket yet in in 2024. But there's a lot of speculation, and uh, and certainly the former president has been kind of teasing that he's still very interested. If, if you thought there were any, at this point, I'll stress it, at this point, any serious contenders to take on the former president, think again. Straw poll results yesterday, Trump won at 70%, 70%. The closest was to, uh, the governor of Florida, current governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, uh, 21%. And then we went to really dismal, dismal single digits after that. Uh, Rand Paul, 1%. Ted Cruz, 1%. Christy Nome, 1%. Mike Pompeo. Now, these are good folks. These are good conservative folks. But out of the more than 1,500 attendees at the at the weekend conference... Not so much. Mike Pompeo, 1%. Former Vice President Mike Pence, 0. 0%. So, like I said, it's early. We're a long way from 2024 yet. But if you're taking the political temperature of, and, and, and let's face it, the folks that, that go to CPAC tend to be the more conservative wing of the Republican Party, right now, former president, way out in front. And he did not disappoint the crowd yesterday when he gave that, uh, that wrap-up speech uh, at the conference there in Dallas. Uh, we're going to play a couple of clips out of that speech. He talked a lot about we're going to get things back to where they were uh, before the 2020 election. Here's cut number one. We will secure our borders. We will stop left-wing cancel culture. We will restore free speech and fair elections. And we will make America great 
again. It's very simple. Yeah, and he wasn't short on criticism of the Biden administration, that's for sure, and basically blaming Biden, the Democrats, for the terrible situation that we now have in so many Democrat-controlled cities where uh, their campaign has been to defund police departments. Cut number two. The Democrats know their policies on crime are so unpopular, so radical, so crazy. They are now trying to pretend they never led the defund the police movement in the first place. We created the most secure border in all of American history by far. Biden's border crisis is also helping drive an unprecedented crime wave. Yeah, and I think uh, if you just listen to that clip, he hit on two major points, uh, again, at least at this point, that I think will will head into that uh, 2024 election and even in the midterms coming up next year. And that is the defund the police movement uh, that's going on in Democrat-controlled cities. By the way, you probably heard Sandy talking about in the last week or so, Democrats, White House, Jen Psaki, White House spokesperson, trying to say that it's really Republicans that are out to defund police departments? What utter nonsense. I think there were some Pinocchios on that one, even from the Washington Post. That is absolutely crazy. They tried to say, here's what the left tried to say. They're trying to say that Republicans haven't been willing to go along with the COVID package and that they say the COVID package included money to fund the police departments. Well, that's simply not true. So there's one thing. Uh, the, the crime waves going on in our Democrat-controlled cities uh, because of the defund the police movement and, of course, the border crisis. Uh, there is no question there are going to be repercussions of that. We have these uh, now news is coming out in some conservative news outlets how criminals, repeat criminals coming across the border, coming back into our country. We're talking people that have been charged with murder, uh, drugs, uh, trafficking, uh, you name it. Those are going to be two of the major themes. And, of course, as I mentioned, uh, I, I think what the former president was out uh, was outlining for us was uh, the campaign coming up for the midterms, uh, which Republicans are fairly confident about right now. Cut number three. Now, for the next 16 months, we must pour every ounce of our energy into winning a historic victory in the midterms. During my administration... Our country was respected again. It is no longer respected. There is, uh, I don't know, as I said, I think Sandy will have a whole lot more to say about the conference. She was there doing interviews during the weekend and kind of get her feel on things. But uh, as I say, over 1,500 people attended that conference. Now, that wasn't the usual national conference. This was in addition to the usual CPAC conference, but there's a lot of, Republican energy out there right now. All right, another story breaking this morning that you need to be aware of. Huge protests, violent protests going on in Cuba over the weekend, um, yesterday. Uh, they're calling it the, the largest protests in Cuba in almost 30 years. And uh, what's going on down there is people have had enough. There is an uprising, the economy, of course. It's a socialist, communist nation. The economy is terrible, uh, and COVID has certainly added to it. 
but that's not the major part of the protest. Now, the White House, the White House, listen to this from the uh, Secretary of State's office. They say these protests are all about COVID problems. A statement from Julie Chung. Peaceful protests are growing in Cuba as the Cuban people exercise their right to peaceful assembly to express concern about rising COVID cases and medicine shortages. We commend the numerous efforts of the Cuban people mobilizing donations to help neighbors in need. So the White House is trying to tell us it's really all about COVID problems in Cuba. Well, I'll tell you, Senator Marco Rubio uh, tried to set the record straight. No, it isn't all about COVID. It's about the oppression in that socialist communist nation. Cut number four. It's now been over over 12 hours since over 32 cities in Cuba, brave people have taken to the streets to protest against a communist Marxist evil tyranny. And so far, not a word, not a word, not a statement from Joe Biden, from the vice president, from the White House, not a word. Why are they so uncomfortable coming forward and just condemning this evil socialist Marxist regime? It's been 62 years while these, while these people have been out there suffering. And then I see this tweet here from the State Department. You've got a socialist regime that says to people, you have no freedom, you have no independence, you have no ability to speak freely, but you have a really good health care system. They don't. Of course, COVID has a a role to play, but this began well before COVID. These people are frustrated. They want to live in a normal country. So why can't the State Department, why can't the White House just say it clearly? This is about freedom. Say it. Yeah, that's Senator Marco, Marco Rubio from Florida. A very interesting point he made there. I hope you caught it. That socialists in this country like to point to the socialist medical care, the government-run medical care in Cuba. Now, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Cuba as part of a mission trip. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I'll tell you what, one of the hotels we stayed in in the eastern part of the country was next door to a hospital that hospital looked like um, it should have been abandoned many, many years ago. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Poverty everywhere. A horrible situation. And the people have had enough. They have simply had enough of this. There were even people carrying American flags amongst those protesters yesterday. American flags. You didn't hear the White House mention that, of course. This goes so far beyond any kind of COVID restrictions in that country. So pray for the people. You know, there are many Christians in Cuba. Uh, there, there are many uh, churches, small little churches. We had an opportunity to visit many of them uh, around that, that country. And uh, dear people, sweet people, and they're living under this very repressive regime. And they've had enough. And we ought to be praising those who are protesting. Don't praise the violence but praising those who are protesting. And for the White House to say it's about COVID, give me a break. All right, um, we have to take a break at 20, is it? Yeah, we got enough time here. Michelle Bachman, former congresswoman uh, from Minnesota. She's talking about uh, the word last week and the encouragement from the Biden administration that maybe... Uh, We ought to be going door to door, they're saying, knocking on people's door to find out who has had vaccinations and who has not. 
Talk about intimidation. Talk about government interference in your life. But this is part of the campaign that's going on out there. Here's Michelle Bachman. Well, I'm glad that actually this is an issue, and I want to urge all the viewers to go out and buy no trespassing signs at the local <laughs> hardware store, no solicitor signs, affix them to your front doors, put them right out by your front stoop, end of the driveway, because the, the government has zero business to do this, zero right. And what they're wanting, wanting all of us to do is to check our Bill of Rights, our civil liberties, at the door. And it's amazing. All of America is based upon the fact that we have rights against the government. And they want us, just as a matter of idea, just give up all of our first 10 Bill of Rights, our civil liberties, and say, we'll take it from here. We're the federal government, because don't let anybody suffer any delusions about this. There is a database, there will be a database, and everybody will be in that database. And it's not just vaccine status, it will be your entire medical history. It'll be connected to your uh, finances. I mean, this is going to get bigger, bigger, bigger. So you stop it now and you don't give any information to any government questioner at your door. Yeah, it's very interesting. She made mention of a database there and what she was referring to because the White House got a lot of flack when they first came out with this uh, suggestion, this announcement that it was time to go into the communities and go door to door to check and see who has been vaccinated and who not. Of course, they took so much flack, they quickly came back and said, don't worry, there's no databases being being created. You guys don't have to worry about that. And a lot of people just said, right. We know what this is all about. We know about how you've treated mask mandates. By the way, the CDC came up with the latest guidelines on mask mandates for schools. Uh, here's, here's the latest. Uh, if the, the teachers and students who have had vaccinations, uh, they don't have to wear masks. But they're saying those kids that have not been vaccinated, they're going to have to wear masks. That's the suggestion from the CDC. Now, how is that going to work in your schools? Going to separate out the kids that haven't been vaccinated? If you haven't seen the uproar from parents about all that yet, you're going to see it. All right, Sandy Rios in the morning for a Monday. Fred Jackson sitting in. We're back right after the break. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman with the American Family Association and American Family Radio. Hey, we're having a retreat this fall. In fact, October 3rd through the 6th, we're going to be gathering at the Purcell Farms, just about 45 minutes southeast of Birmingham, Alabama. It's in the mountains, and we're going to have a wonderful time, and we'd love for you to join us. Our speakers will be Sandy Rios, Abe Hamilton, Ray Pritchard, Bert Harper. I'm going to be there along with a lot of the AFA and AFR team. So it's going to be a wonderful time of refreshment and fellowship. And we're just going to have a lot of fun. There's so many great things to do there on the campus of the Purcell Farm. So if you'd like to join us for this very special retreat, just go to afaretreat.net. afaretreat.net. We've only got a few rooms left, in fact. afaretreat.net. And we hope to see you there this fall. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today we pray for Troy Miller, Acting Commissioner for United States Customs and Border Protection at the Department of Homeland Security. He works to advance the agency's missions of counterterrorism, border security, and economic prosperity. Psalm 4-8 reminds us of God's blessings of safety and security. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Troy Miller at the Department of Homeland Security as he works to keep our nation safe, secure, and prosperous. In the name of Jesus, we say amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. America is in a funk, and with good reason. For the past year and a half, our nation has been shut down, citizens stripped of their civil liberties. The cancel culture mob is tearing down statues and banning books. Critical race theory goons are shaming people because of the color of their skin. The White House subscribes to this notion that we are not a most exceptional nation. And that's why I wrote our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl. It's a collection of inspirational and encouraging and hilarious stories about Americans who are doing good deeds, exceptional Americans. Stories about faith and family, God and country. I do have hope for America because my hope is not based on a political party. My hope is built on a much higher power. Our Daily Biscuit is the perfect remedy for those who say America is on the decline. It's a buttermilk biscuit for the soul. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back to Sandy Rios in the Morning. Fred Jackson sitting in for Sandy today. And it's a very special day here at American Family Radio. We're introducing a brand new show into our agenda. AFA at the Core. AFA at the Core. Going to come your way at 1 o'clock Central each day. This new show is focused on the values that have framed every part of the AFA from its inception, evangelism and discipleship, marriage and family, morality, sanctity of human life, stewardship, and religious liberty. Walker Wildman, AFA's Vice President of Operations and Public Policy Analyst, will host the new show and will provide the tools you need to be a transformative voice in our culture. So that's today. Uh, brand new show, AFA at the Core. Join Walker at 1 o'clock Central each day, Monday through Friday. Uh, keeping you informed. That's part of our mission here, is keeping you informed and encouraging people to get involved. You know, just before the break, we were talking about what's going on in our nation's schools, the restrictions you've heard about. And now some states, wide open, get the kids back in school, wide open. Uh, But, you know, in some states, there's going to be restrictions, mask restrictions. But the other thing going on in our school, and you've seen the protests 
Loudoun County in Virginia and other places, parents across this country are extremely upset with this critical race theory now that the teachers' unions and uh, governments in some states are, are insisting on, may not be aware the Biden administration is providing money to school districts to teach critical race theory. Well, this concern over the critical race theory, this indoctrination of our kids is moving across the country right now from coast to coast. And in California, critical race theory and the push to teach this false doctrine to our kids is a great concern. It was the focus of a conference this weekend, which uh, was put together by a group called Every Black Life Matters. And one of the founders of that group is Neil Mammon. And he joins us from California this morning. Good morning, Neil. Hi, Fred. Nice to be on. Hey, thank you for getting up so early. According to my watch, (laughs) it's about 520 in the morning on the West Coast. I know. I don't usually get up until at least nine. (laughs) (laughs) You set some alarms, didn't you? (laughs) Yep, yep. All right. Hey, listen, tell us a little bit first about uh, this group, Every Black Life Matters, uh, how it got started and its major thrust. Well, last year, in the middle of all the burnings of Portland and multiple other cities, my wife uh, noticed that some of our friends, Christian friends, uh, had taken their sons, their young sons, to a BLM protest. And they were standing out there waving signs. This was not a violent protest, but they were out there waving signs saying Black Lives Matter. And so she uh, turned to me and she says, you know, there really needs to be a Christian alternative to this because they're not racist and they but they're afraid that people will think they're racist if they don't go out and show their support for African Americans but they don't realize that BLM is a Marxist organization and steep in witchcraft uh, you know as Abraham Hamilton kind of pointed out uh, and so she she said you know you really need to figure out if there's an alternative and maybe talk to the guys at the Frederick Douglass Foundation so um, I work closely with a um, with Kevin McGarry, who's the chairman of the California chapter of the Frederick Douglass Foundation. And I called him up and I said, hey, Kevin, uh, you guys at the Frederick Douglass Foundation need to start something. And he said, I, I said, you know, you need to have an alternative to BLM. It should be somewhere where people can go and they can express that they're, you know, they're, they support African-Americans and, they're, and, and, you know, by virtue of that, that they're not racist. And he said, yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. So he called home to the, you know, the head office back in D.C., and they were right in the middle of uh, the campaign last year. And so they said, look, this is a bad time for us to do something. You and Neil should start something. And so Kevin calls me back and he says, I, I think we're doing it. You know, it's the old story. You go to the pastor and say, hey, we need help. And we need a ministry in the church in this area. And the pastor says, great, you're hired. Go yeah, you're hired. <laughs> you get started. Well, yeah, so t- that's that's how it happened. Right. And so. Um, mm-hmm. So Kevin, uh, so Kevin and I decided we need something that was so synonymous with BLM that people would almost mistake us for BLM because we wanted to be able to reach the same people who would go out to support BLM and bring them over to our side. And that was the impetus for the name, Every Black Life Matters, the similarities, uh, but the difference are in the goals. We're, why, we're completely different in our goals because we believe in real justice for womb to tomb. In fact, our logo has the pro-life baby feet on it. Mm. Uh, we believe in the nuclear family. We believe in active fatherhood. We believe in free markets. We believe in educational choice. We believe in criminal justice reform. 
and of course non-violent, unlike uh, BLM and Antifa. So what is what has been that, the reception, Neil, uh, so far? It's it's been amazing. I mean, we will walk into arenas, and we it's interesting because you get reception from both sides, and we do something that we call the Aikido move. And I don't know if you know much about martial arts. I'm not into it, but uh, Kevin is. And in Aikido, what you do is you take your enemy's uh, force and, and like, for instance, if somebody uh, tries to swing at you, rather than blocking the move, you redirect that energy so that they that it doesn't affect you. And so a, a smaller person can, um, can fight a larger person. And so the idea is here, if you go to someone who's saying, hey, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, you say, well, do Black Lives really matter to you? And, of course, they're going to say yes. And you say, well, that's every single black life matter to you and of course they're going to say yes and so then you say well does it bother you that you um 70 of young black kids are born in a family without a father in the home and that's due to our government policies in the welfare area does that bother you do those fatherless black lives bother you and of course they're going to say yes and then you say well and, and by the way we have this on our website so you can anyone can go use this and then you say well does it bother you that because of the fatherlessness in the african-american communities uh there's high crime high gang violence high um you know uh, sexual involvement amongst kids and also bad uh, high uh, low literacy rates so does it bother you and, and yet uh, 60%, 68% of all African-American mothers want a school voucher so they can take their kids out of that public school full of violence, full of gangs, and send them to a private school. Does it, does it bother you that I mean, do those uh, uh, school children, Black Lives Matter to you? And of course, they're going to have to say yes. And then, and then we ask them one more. So let me ask you this. Did you know that 50% of all African-Americans have been killed in the womb because of Planned Parenthood and certain policies? Did you know that 79% of all abortion clinics are in black communities, even though they're only 13% of the population? Um, and did you know that there are 44 million African-Americans, but there would have been 64 million African-Americans if they had not been killed in the womb? Does that black genocide bother you? Does that, do those baby black lives um, do you, I mean, do you, you care about those baby black lives? And of course, you know, they'll say yes. And you say, well, in that case, you really are on our side. Right. And at that point, we give them a badge or something. Because what we've done is now we've taken the conversation up and we've upped the ante. We've said, look, uh, we really care about black lives. You care about black lives in all these other areas. Um, you're just talking about police violence, which is bad. But if you really care about black lives, we'll try to solve the problems. And the real problem is fatherlessness. Amen. Well, Neil, uh, I mentioned uh, off the top of the program, you had a conference on the weekend. Uh, you were one of the speakers, Alveda King, a voice very familiar to our audience here. Uh, you gave several uh, kind of speeches with regards to the dangers of critical race theory. And uh, you talked about in one of your speeches, the roots and the goals and the tenets of critical race theory. I think a lot of parents are still not aware, Neil, that how dangerous this is, this indoctrination that is planned by the teachers, teachers union and many school districts and sadly, even our federal government. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and the sad thing about this is if you start looking at the roots of it, and, um, it all started in the 1930s with a, a group, a socialist group called the Frankfurt School. And their whole job goal was to bring Marxism into America, to bring, become America, make America communist effectively. Well, what happened was they realized that Americans were too independent. And so that the only way they could do it is they would have to start all the way down in the schools. 
So they took over the school systems. And then they realized that they had to take over the churches. And so it started infiltrating the seminaries. And then they started realizing they had had to break down our, you know, so they have the five-step process, you know, break down the economy, break down the school system, take over the schools and our kids' minds, uh, take over the churches, take over the um, uh, the colleges and institutions like that. And then finally, they needed to bring back, bring chaos into America. And the only way to bring chaos in America would be to start, if you will, inside racial strife. And the way to start racial strife is to bring in something called critical race theory. And critical race theory basically says that uh, it basically goes in and says that if you are white, and I'm summarizing here, uh, I have lots of quotes to this. If you're white, you're basically a racist, de facto racist. It doesn't matter what, you can't do anything about it. You can't improve your solution. If you note, if you say you're not a racist, that shows you're a racist. And, but the reality is 95% of Americans are, not 95, 99% of Americans are simply not racist. I mean, I came to this country, I was born and brought up in Africa and I came to this country and I've actually lived all over the world. I live in Jamaica and Ethiopia and Sudan and Yemen and my, my ancestry is Indian. Uh, and I've traveled all over the world. And I can tell you that America was the most welcoming nation in the world. I have been, I mean, I've seen more discrimination. I grew up in Muslim countries. They discriminate terribly. India, where my uh, ancestors came from, uh, you know, talk about the caste system. I mean, there's terrible racism, right? Uh, and yet I come to America and I find this one of the most welcoming countries. Yeah, there are a few jerks here and there, but I don't define myself by those jerks. And America certainly doesn't define itself. Uh, so for the for people to say American that white Americans are racist just because they're born that way, in reality, what's happening is that they're looking at the African American community and saying, "Look, the African American community has all these problems, and it must be because of racism." But as I explained earlier, it's not because of racism; it's because of fatherlessness. You know, seventy five seventy percent of African American kids are born in fatherless homes, and this is specifically because a certain party, not to be named, targeted them for welfare. And the welfare is designed in such a way to remove the father out of the home. So coming back to critical race theory, I mean, that, that gives you that background. But the, so critical race theory, basically said, and I'll give you a couple of quotes here because um, I think it's, um, so Robin D'Angelo says, a positive white identity is an impossible goal. White identity is inherently racist. White people do not exist outside the system of white supremacy. Right. And then they, they, they have things like uh, this other uh, says uh, this is uh, Stephen Wildman and Adrian Davis say all whites are racist in this use of the term because we benefit from systemic white privilege. And I always say, OK, you 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 benefit from systemic white privilege. If you look at people in America, the, the population that makes the most amount of money is the brown population. It's the Indians. Right. The Indian immigrants come here and they make the median income of Indians is about $166,000. The median income of whites or of Americans is 60, 000, something like $60,000 a year. Uh, the median income of Nigerian Americans, these are black people who've come to America as immigrants, Nigerian and Ghanaians, is almost like sixty-seven dollars to $68,000, which is higher than the white population. So if this is all about racism, how come the Nigerians and the Ghanaians are making more than the average white person? I mean, it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, and then the other thing that they'll, um, they'll say that, um, that growing, raising a child to be white is, is 
proves that you're systemically racist. And now they're trying to get this into the next step of the, oh, if you use mathematics, you're racist. If you're on time, you're racist. Um, you know, all these are white privilege things. Now think about what this does to the African-American community. First of all, you want to dumb down the schools, right? So they are not going to be able to get jobs. And second, now you want to dumb down, they want to say that they should not be able to do mathematics, they should not be able to be on time, they should not be able to, you know, and they should not use good grammar. What you're doing is you're setting, setting up these kids who are already failing because of the fatherlessness and the crimes and the gang violence in the inner city. You're saying, now we want to dumb it down too. And what Kevin says, this is infantilizing the African-Americans. These people who teach critical race theory think that African-Americans are so dumb that they cannot add one plus one equal to two. This is the, if you, that's not racism, I don't know what is, right? Well, Neil, I'm trying to understand. So why would professionals like the teachers unions, uh, why, why would state governments want to endorse and push this on the American people? What is the end goal? Well, uh, the end goal is to make whites so mad that they end up in another whole racial strife and you have these battles between the races and the cultures. Because what's that going to do? That's going to break down America and allow the Marxists to move in. I mean, when the government has to take control to keep the peace, guess what? You get martial law. So uh, the goal then is, is, is government control. So And Marxism, yes. And Marxism. Listen, we only got about 90 seconds left. Ha- people listening right now, in their communities, how can they stop this push for CRT? Well, the, there are a couple of ways. One is you can stop it at your school board because they're brainwashing your kids. But I would say rather than just stopping at the school board, I'd say take over your school board. Right now in, in, in California, there are 22 school boards that are being recalled because people, parents are enough of it. So it's not, don't go there and just yell at them. Go there and recruit people to, <laughs> to recall them. That's what you do. Go to each of these school board meetings and start taking signatures. All the parents are mad and just say, look, we're going to start a recall against these super board, county uh, the, the school board uh, members, and we're going to change this. And that's the way you stop it. All right, Neil, uh, we're almost out of time. Tell us uh, 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 where we can go and get more information, your website, uh, to get more information, because this is so critical. Yeah, so uh, our website is everyblm.org or everyblm.com. So www.everyblm.com. And you'll find all this information, all the facts, data, everything you need, and and a lot more, too. All right. Did you say 22 school districts are under recall in California? Just in California, yep. Wow. What a movement. Well, America's waking up. Neil Maman, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much, Fred. All right. Take care. Hey, we're going to go to the phones. 888-589-8840 when we come back after the break. Have you ever experienced a miraculous healing, maybe your own or a friend's? On the next Focus on the Family, you'll hear a miracle caught on tape. Join us to hear the actual moment when Pastor Dwayne Miller's throat was healed and his voice came back after three years of only being able to speak in a whisper. Next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Focus on the Family is heard each weekday morning at 5 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. 
Texas's governor signed a bill that outlines how schools should teach students about race and racism and prohibits the teaching of critical race theory. Rather than dividing us into racial groups and blaming innocent people for the sins of the past, we should teach kids what the Bible says. There is one race called the human race, and we should love, not hate one another. When wrong is done, we should change and forgive. That's what kids need to learn. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines socialism as an economic system in which the means of production are owned and controlled by the state. The distribution of goods are controlled by the state. It is a system where there is no private property. A stage of society in Marxist theory transitional between capitalism and communism. American socialists put the descriptor democratic in front of socialism because they hope to persuade you to vote for the elimination of private property. Make no mistake, socialism is socialism. There is no kinder, gentler form of it. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Miki. And we've been married 16 years. You know, one of the things that Miki asked me before we got married, she's like, why do you want to marry me? What is it about about me? Really, the Lord had put on my heart that God was putting us together for destiny and for purpose, and that he had a ministry that he desired to do through us, that, you know, we were both ministering on our own, but together that God was going to, you know, use us to minister. There is no one who is closer to you than your spouse, and there is no one who knows you better, and this is by God's design. Marriage is the first institution that God has given us to to shape us and to mold us and to show us ourselves. It's a beautiful picture. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Forty leftist non-governmental organizations want the Biden-Harris administration to turn a blind eye to the Chinese Communist Party's crimes against humanity and its growing economic and military threats to us and the rest of the world. Using rhetoric that mirrors the Chinese Communist propaganda line, their joint letter asserts that climate change imperils the world. U.S. pollution is most responsible and China is a necessary partner in staving off disaster. This prescription for lowering our guard and declining to challenge the Chinese Communist Party's pursuit of not just a Cold War, but a people's war against the United States will likely resonate with the Biden team's many old friends of China. If we don't counter decisively today's existential threat, which is the CCP, the longer-term effects of whatever changes taking place in the world's climate will be the least of our problem. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back to the Monday edition of Sandy Rios in the morning. Fred sitting in for Sandy today. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. I was fascinated by what our guests had to say. 22 school districts just in the state of California alone. They are under recall efforts by moms and dads 
who are growing more and more concerned across this country about the push for critical race theory. Now, you probably heard the head of the American Federation of Teachers last week. They had their meeting somewhere, their annual meeting. And she was talking about they're even getting a team of lawyers. They are going to fight states who are saying CRT is not going to be taught in our schools. So they're going to get lawyers. Now, do you understand what that means? The teachers union says we know better than these state governments, Republican state governments, and we know better than the moms and the dads who are concerned about this. And so we're going to get a team of lawyers to fight in court to allow us to indoctrinate these kids with critical race theory. That's scary stuff. By the way, she's paid the head of the uh, American Federation of Teachers. You know what she's paid? Almost $600,000 a year, which is almost 10 times more than the average salary of the regular teachers across the country. That's the agenda, folks, of the left. So from coast to coast, from Loudoun County right through to California now, people are waking up to what I would call a very arrogant agenda. And the arrogance in the Biden administration, that it knows no end. Vice President Kamala Harris interviewed on Black, uh, Black Entertainment Network, I believe it is, on the weekend. And, of course, they're against uh, any kind of voter ID laws in the Biden administration. I want you to listen to what she had to say. She said uh, voter ID restrictions are bad. And one of the reasons is, she says, people in rural America don't know how to get photocopies of their IDs so they can send the photocopy of their IDs to prove that they are indeed American citizens when they request an absentee ballot. Now, you have a listen here. Have a listen to Vice President Kamala Harris. It's cut number seven. Is agreeing to voter ID one of those compromises that you'd support? I don't think that we should underestimate what that could mean. Because in some people's mind, that means, well, you're going to have to um, Xerox or, or, or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove you are who you are. Well, there are a whole lot of people, especially people who live in rural communities, who don't. There's no Kinko's. There's no Office Max near them. People have to understand that when we're talking about voter ID laws, be clear about who you have in mind and what would be required of them to prove who they are. Of course, people have to prove who they are, but not in a way that makes it it almost impossible for them to prove who they are. Have you ever heard such nonsense and such arrogance? She's saying people, you know, it reminds me of other Democrats describing people who supported Donald Trump as a basket of deplorables. Uh, and other derogatory terms. And now you have the vice president of the United States saying people in rural America don't know how to get a photocopy of something. Rural America has libraries. You can get photocopies there. You don't have to have a Kinko's. 
And as my producer Devin is pointing out, pick up your cell phone, take a picture of your ID, and yes, they have internet in rural America, and they can send it that way. But, you know, it's just another demonstration of the thinking, not just the Biden administration. We saw this during Barack Obama's time in office, that the government has to be there to help you, to protect you against these draconian laws like voter ID. And to say just because, and by the way, what is rural America? Is it outside of New York? Is that rural America or or Chicago? <laughs> People are then fleeing to rural America to get out of these violent-prone cities like New York and Chicago. And somehow there's not a Kinko's nearby, as she was saying. She named a few. Or an Office Max. You don't need this. But this this is part of the mentality that we must look after you. We must look after you. I'll tell you what, that's the kind of thing that it all plays into this, I think, the rebellion that is starting in this country. Like Neil Momin was telling us there in California, 22 school districts under recall. Parents have had enough. And I'll tell you what, we talked a few moments ago about the, the new guidance that came out on Friday from the Centers of Disease Control about well, if your kid has been vaccinated and the teacher has been vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. That's the guidance into the classroom. But if your kid has not been vaccinated, we're, we're going to require a mask. Now, just imagine, because schools are starting out in some areas of this country now. Schools, uh, schools will be going back to class like two or three weeks' time. In, in parts of the south, Mississippi, and other parts of the south, early August is when they start. So you need to be prepared for this. So is somebody going to stand at the school door and say to little Johnny, little Janie, have you been vaccinated? Oh, you haven't? Then we want you to go over here to this room. You've been vac- Oh, you can go over here. Imagine that for a second, what that's going to be like for that little boy, little girl if you carry through with what the CDC is really saying here. And it goes to this whole idea of what the White House was announcing last week, saying, you know, time to go to those communities, time to go door to door, knock on those doors and find out whether somebody's been vaccinated or not. You know, it, it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that we've seen in other times in history where a group of people is identified has a danger, and they must be dealt with, almost like the creation of leper colonies. Um, this is dangerous stuff, folks. It really is. It is dangerous stuff. We are at a period in this country where uh, we have a government, I believe, a federal government that wants control over every aspect of a person's life. And the mainstream media... The mainstream media, you have to understand, they are in lockstep with the Democrats. They are in lockstep. They agree. That's why you don't, that's why on many of these major networks, you do not see 
any kind of uh, opposition to this. It's all spun in a positive way. That's why you're seeing so many stories right now on the variant that is out there. And uh, you're starting to see stories about that. It's, uh, it's troubling. And uh, like critical race theory, it is something that I think moms and dads, parents are going to have to. You have to lean on your school boards. You have to lean on um, your state governments. You have to find out. And yes, as Neil Mommen was telling us, maybe what you have to do is run for school board yourself. Because this is where all of this started. This is where all of it started. It started in our education system. It's been going on, folks, for 30, 40 years. You have to understand that. It's been going on. This indoctrination process has been going on for 30 or 40 years. And we have to be made aware of it. Here's the other thing that's going on, too. And I want to pay, uh, I don't normally do this, but I want to play you a report from a CBS station in Sacramento. And they're talking about the problems that restaurants uh, are having getting people to work. All right? And it's because of the government bailout programs. And I want you to have a listen to this because uh, one one program, uh, one restaurant there in, uh, in, uh, in, I believe it is in Folsom, California. Yes, Folsom, California. They've even posted a sign that has a, has a message to customers. The reason our service is slow is because people are sitting home. They don't want to work because they're getting all this government money. So here it is, CBS 13. It's cut number six. A sign of the times at Taco Loco in Folsom. I am chuckling uh, when I read it because uh, there's a little bit of truth. The frustrated Folsom Taqueria posted this sign explaining to customers why service might be slow. To our loyal customers, sadly, due to government and state handouts, no one wants to work anymore. Therefore, we are short-staffed. Please be patient with our staff that did choose to come to work today. Fellow Folsom restaurateur and owner of Reset, John Voles, gets it. It's hard to find people who want to work right now. Reluctant restaurant workers relying on unemployment after months of whiplash. They were laid off and they went on employment and then they come back and it's a back and forth situation. Why not gonna go on unemployment? Sure. It is an easy paycheck. But what does a packed dining room mean for the servers who stayed? They want us to hire more people right now. Something that's easier said than done. We're trying to hire uh, more baristas. We're trying to hire cooks. We asked economist Barry Broom what short-staffed restaurants mean for their local communities. Until the government checks stop coming out, which I think is September, we're going to continue to have labor shortages, and that's going to continue to challenge small businesses maybe even close them. It's a domino effect. If labor shortages close restaurants, communities bring in less sales tax, which could be detrimental to the economy. We were big proponents of keeping families and individuals stable during the pandemic. But now that the economy's coming back, we need the labor market. Yeah, there you have it. See, it's it all comes under the umbrella of more control. Government gives you money. You become more dependent on the government. And in this case, restaurant, and this is happening right across the country. All right. We're almost out of time, so we're going to go to the phones. Uh, North Carolina, Betty, good morning. Go ahead. Good morning. I want you to know how much I appreciate 
AFR and all of the programming. And I was thinking about something that I have not heard at all regarding the being able to vote. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to go to the doctor yeah. at some point. Uh-huh. And if you go to the doctor, you've got to have an ID card. Yeah. Never mind anything else. Uh, that they're accusing that people aren't able to do this and they aren't able to do that. You got to go to the hospital. You got to have a, an ID card, and that's just something that I'd like to hear more of. Yeah, uh, and it's not only that. Uh, you know, you have to present driver's license if you're getting on air. Uh, thank you for the call, Betty. Uh, if you're getting getting on an airplane, try to get through TSA without an ID. You ain't getting on that airplane. All right. That's as plain and as simple as that. ID. Probably if you go to the library and, and you want to get a book out, you have to present some kind of ID to prove uh, that you live in that area and they want to know, you know who you are. It's common sense. And this is what you're facing. You now have the whole weight of the federal government, by the way, going after Georgia. I don't know if you've heard that. Where Georgia is bringing in simple laws. By the way, a lot of lies being told by the left about the Georgia laws. They are still one of the most open states. Lots of voting time being allowed. Uh, but the federal government, the federal justice system going after Georgia, you're going to see a lot of this, folks. So just be prepared for it between now and the midterms. The Biden administration is going to try to fight these sensible voter ID laws that are going on, as our caller mentioned. Everybody knows you have to have a driver's license. You have to have some way to prove who you are because only citizens should be voting. That's the law. All right. So much going on in our country right now. Great to have you with us today. Stay tuned for more great programming here on American Family Radio. And as we mentioned, brand new show being introduced today, 1 o'clock Central, AFA at the core. Your host will be Walker Wildman, AFA's Vice President of Operations and Public Policy Analyst. Make sure you tune in for that. All right. Great to be with you. Uh, Sandy will be featuring interviews from her uh, weekend at CPAC in Dallas tomorrow and have much more on that. Great to be with you. You have yourself a great day. And remember, be a blessing to someone today. Bye for now. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.